Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing, nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by now. Here's JP. All right, good morning and welcome to another edition of the J.P. Peterson Show live from our Orlando studio and Nick Gettis back in our St. Petersburg studio. Lots to get to today on the big show. Uh, we've got unfortunate raise news, unfortunate raise news. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll revisit our debate uh, that we had yesterday that was so spirited and lit up uh, Twitter. Um, excuse me, I have a uh, an unruly dog to deal with. Hey! Shut up. That's how we do that. Um, works every time. <laughs> um, and we got some uh, Bucks talk to get to. We're going to hear a little bit more from Mike Evans and Carlton Davis today. So we'll get into that as uh, they inch closer and closer. We got football tonight. We got the NFL Hall of Fame game tonight. Oh, oh man. Shit. I get to watch Zach Wilson versus <laughs> who? I mean, I even say Zach Wilson. <laughs> obviously. Literally, you might get a series of Zach Wilson. Who knows? Like a high school game. But whatever. We got football, right? So good morning to you, Nick Geddes from On3 Sports. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing – I'm hot and cold today. I'm, I'm the, the worst part is is what you alluded to with the Rays, which we'll get to in a second. Oh, the good part is we're celebrating today is one of the greatest birthdays in the history of mankind is today. On this day in 1977 – and you know who it is, the greatest of oh, all time. Yes, the goat. The, the goat. The man. The goat. The man. Leo the Messi. No. 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 We'll get to him maybe later too. Yes, but no. Thomas will. Edward Patrick Brady Jr., thank you for the Super Bowl. Thank you for living on this earth. 46 years old today. And a new owner of Birmingham City, might I add. Quite a way to yeah, celebrate birthday your birthday present. by increasing your net worth just a little bit. So. There you go. There's my shout-out there for the day for Mr. Tom. Oh, so great. Uh, I hope he uh, has a wonderful birthday, and I'm sure he'll show up on Instagram in his underwear soon. So that'll be great. Um, All right, other big news. Uh, Florida State last night, uh, the Board of Trustees meeting, uh, and Drew Weatherford, a man who lives here locally and uh, from Pasco, Pasco County, had the quote of the day obviously, is like it's not a matter of if, it's how and when the FSU Seminoles leave the ACC. Um, It has become an untenable situation with FSU and the ACC. Uh, It's gotten to a point now where the revenue splits are just ridiculous. And, you know, I I, um, did a little digging and uh, read this article. I I, I alluded to it yesterday on how the ACC defrauded Florida State and most of its members with this ridiculous grant and rights deal that they gave the ESPN. How, I don't know what kind of kickback John Swafford got on this. Can you imagine, can you imagine as a business person making a deal? And, and listen, the schools have to, well, you know, if you're being defrauded, you believe your own commissioner and his underlings when they come to you and they give you revenue projections. And how would you do a deal through 2036 in any business and not even account for inflation, which they didn't in this deal? Uh, and even, you know, so when I first read the, the deal with the ACC network, I'm like, how in the hell can you do your grant and rights till 2036, 2036? Nobody has any idea where the numbers are going to go by that point or what's going to go on in the media landscape. It's just it was ridiculous. And the numbers that were put forth by John Swafford in these meetings to get the, um, the deal done were completely fraudulent. 
completely fraudulent. So in if if the if the ACC and Florida State were to go to to uh, you know legal remedies, I think FSU absolutely has a case, and anybody who wants to leave the ACC would have a case um, if 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 they wanted to. Uh, really go to the mat and and do the the legal way and, and and the ACC has to realize this. They have to realize that they have a case, and they have to understand that you know unless they give Florida State a a, a disproportionate amount of the revenue in the pot, they're leaving. And it kind of sucks for the ACC. I get it. It probably sounds selfish in some ways, but for Florida State and Clemson, frankly, and probably Miami as well, it is an ex- existential crisis. It is. You cannot survive going up against the big boys when you have $30 million deficit as it stands now, and then within five years, that could be 40 and within you know eight years, it could be 50 to $60 million. That's just untenable. You, you're not playing on the same playing field. And we're talking about money that's going to be going to NIL, um, paying players. It would be like FSU trying to compete with, uh, with Florida when they have a $200 million salary cap and FSU has 150. That's just that's not that's not okay, and so FSU knows they have to make a move. They have to make a deal. My sense is it's more towards the Big Ten, although reports are that the Big Ten are looking at Washington and Oregon adding um, those two teams. So I think it's I think it's very much up for grabs, and I think we're going to see some movement here in the next next few months. Yeah, and and also too to the point of of you know the legal ramifications of how they can get out of this deal. I'm going to just go on the record and say I don't think this public university would have this whole type of thing where they had, you know, 2,000 people that were watching this live stream yesterday having to sit through stuff about aviation and airplanes to get to the good stuff. (laughs) I don't think they would do all this knowing the public is watching. And, you know, you hear the verbiage that McCullough said and you hear the verbiage that Weatherford said and some of the others. They seem pretty hell-bent on the fact that, like like Weatherford said, this is happening. So. They, I think that tells me they've already figured out a way to get yeah. out of this deal from the legal standpoint as we've tried to like kind of speculate of how that's going to work. I think they've already yeah. figured that out. I don't think they would have gone on record like this in a public forum if they exactly. didn't have that out there. Yeah, we told you this a couple of months ago. Um, there are actually attorneys here in Tampa that have been working on this and looking at uh, the grant in rights and looking for ways to break uh, out of this ridiculous agreement. And I was told that it's it's not easy, but they saw loopholes. And I think this is what they've come up with is when you go back to the original agreement and how it was made, those uh, projections that John Swafford and his team offered up to um, the, the universities were grossly, grossly inaccurate. So there's there can be legal remedies for that. So, you know, we'll see how this path. All I know is we've seen this for what? 20 years now, 25 years, going right. back to the original conference realignment, when everybody was like, oh, my God, how could this possibly happen? Uh, these contracts, uh, there's so much entanglement, blah, 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 blah. But guess what? It happens. It happens all the time. How can Texas get out of their deal and Oklahoma get out of the How can UCLA and USC leave these right. longtime conferences? It's like, how could this possibly – it happens. It happens all the time. So to sit here and think that it can't happen or won't happen – it's just silly. And, and I'm thinking, too, of, like, you know, obviously the impact that it would have on Florida State going to the Big Ten, but, you know, I'm thinking of the chain effect that it could have throughout other, you know, schools in college football because I'm just going to assume that Florida State and Clemson would be a package going to the Big Ten. Does that seem realistic, you think? I mean, to me, 
if I'm looking at this from a from a monetary standpoint, you know, the Big Ten, in order to keep their payments to all of their schools at the level that they need to keep them, mm-hmm. whoever they bring in has to bring added value, right? You've right. got to bring added value to the television deal. That's where the, the well, majority of the yeah, and the Big Ten, like Clemson, because I'm thinking because TV markets is obviously a big thing at the size university, all those type of things. Like Clemson would be an untapped market, I believe, for the Big Ten, right? So they would kind right. of fit the bill. And this is why we had the conversation of why Florida State and Clemson wouldn't be as desirable as you would think for the SEC. So, like, I started thinking, like, obviously, if you say Florida State and Clemson go to the Big Ten, my gut would tell me that Miami would be very desirable to the SEC because you get the whole South Florida market, right? Right, right. And then so I come around back to USF. I'm trying to translate it there. This would be – I think this is good for them in the yes. long run because yeah. – Instead of having to fight for a couple spots in the Pac-12 among 12 teams, if both of these conferences both kind of lose their powers and they're starting to add a little bit, this would then create the chain effect, at least I'm thinking, that helps USF and it creates another avenue for them. And this one probably makes more sense than the, the Pac-12, if we're being completely honest as well. Absolutely. This is, I mean, you connected the dots perfectly. We've been talking about this for a couple days now. Yes, FSU moves to the Big Ten because this gives big, the Big Ten the southeast market, which they don't have. And their contract is with who? Fox. Fox, a national network that has been mostly, you know, started as a West Coast with the Pac-12, added the Big Ten, and now this would make them a national super conference. They would have everything. And if they were to add Washington and Oregon, then now you have the Pacific Northwest, you have California, you have Southern California, you have the Midwest and, and part of the Northeast, and now FSU and Clemson add uh, the Southeast. Right. So, and, and add, you know, Clemson doesn't really bring a, 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 a large television market per se. Mm-hmm. Um, South Carolina, you, you've got Columbia, you've got um, uh, a Greenville, those areas, not a huge, but they have a national brand. Clemson is a national brand when it comes to football. Um, Florida, Florida brings the entire Florida market, all the cable systems here. Florida State is in the top 10 in terms of uh, national branding. So they all those eyeballs and all those rating numbers, this adds to the package, and Fox would gladly say, oh, yes, we'll give you more money because we're going to capture more. Because let's be honest, college football is a regional. It's a regional but national game. You And it's like the NFL. You get, you know, you have regions and, and markets where you're going to get, you know, big numbers every game. You're going to get 30s and 40s in each market. And if you have a national league, you, you add up all those markets, you've captured them all. That's the television deal. And now Fox would have their, their television package, I would say, would now rival anything you would see, you know, at that, that the SEC and ESPN is offering. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm curious uh, I too. I think it's a home run for the Big Ten. And then, yes, USF would then move into the ACC right. because they would have the ACC have no Florida teams if Miami and Florida State leaves, obviously, and they can capture the 11th largest television market, even though USF really doesn't dominate, you know, huge viewership when they play football. Um, but you would help. You would hope with the new stadium coming on board, there would be an opportunity for USF to become a big, bigger national brand. They have the enrollment. They have the academic status now with the AAU status. Um, as far as the academics go. So, yeah, that now becomes a very good fit for the ACC to fill that hole. So the dominoes fall. And this yeah. is why Michael Kelly would talk to us on Friday, and he talked about you know keeping your resume updated and building all this infrastructure, the on-campus stadium. Now you become a big player. Now you become a very attractive target to a conference like the ACC 
and they move into the Power Five. So, yes, and when all these dominoes fall, it could be great for USF. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, like FAU's the other school that I, I typically have been throwing in there. But if you think about it, with the new facilities coming, USF's going to have the edge in facilities. And yep. when they get everything going by 2026, that's true. Um, I'm not sure what the – you might know better than me, but the Boca market – as a whole, I mean, it, I've always just been under the impression that Miami kind of dominates everything in South Florida for the most yeah. part, and that Boca F- market. FAU is not. FAU's probably right. that like you know that niche you know that's down there, and in yeah. some respects, maybe you could say USF the same in Tampa, but you know it's the 11th largest you know media market, obviously. Um, so I still think USF holds the edge over an FAU. Oh, the, if the push ceiling comes to for FAU is very low. Yeah, it's very low. I mean, University of Miami with all their legacy can barely put 25,000 people in Hard Rock Stadium. You think FAU is ever drawing, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000 consistently? No, never going to happen. Their ceiling is very low. USF ceiling is very high. I mean, we've seen them pack Raymond James Stadium for their top 10, you know, college football games. We've seen that. That's been done. To say it can't be done is ridiculous because it's happened. So their ceiling is much, much higher than than FAU and that's if you're looking at expansion that's what you're looking at you're not you're not looking at one and eleven right okay that's 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 absolutely probably about seventh on the list of expansion you're looking at um all these other factors that we just with just named and what the ceiling can be so that, that those are yeah. the factors so people go oh but if the U.S. have such a football why would anybody want them in your conference it's not about that it's not where you are in a moment in time in your football program it's about what what can you do the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's much bigger. Yeah, it's like the growth possibilities and things like that, too. Right, um, exactly. No, I was just curious, too, because we were talking about the Big Ten. And so if they land Florida State and Clemson, let's just say that happens. They've already gotten UC, USC and UCLA in there. And then the two other schools you mentioned were Oregon and Washington. Yes. That potentially, which I think mm-hmm. the Big 12 is like – it seems like almost the Big 12 and the Big 10, maybe they're like in sort of a competition to see if they can land one of those two, or maybe they go together. I don't know. But if the Big 10 lands those two on top of Florida State and Clemson, you've added six major, major schools to your conference, right? Where the SEC would have added Oklahoma and Texas, and they were already loaded. But I'm just wondering, like in that, in that arms race, does the Big 10 become the conference if they get those six well, schools you- in there? When you start looking at television markets and the size of the markets and the size and scope, you know, even with adding uh, Oklahoma and Texas, the SEC is still a very regional conference. Yeah, they, they you know, barely it's, expanded it's outside of it. Southeastern dominated. Right. The Big Ten now, by adding the West Coast, the Pacific Northwest, and the Southeast is now a truly national conference from a standpoint. And you, you know, and I know Florida State's like, oh, what? You know, every week I want to see Ole Miss and I want to see. Auburn, and I want to see Alabama, and I said, I get that. You know what? I want to go to Wisconsin. I want to take a trip to Wisconsin. Madison Nobody has crazy. ever said that before. I want to go take a trip to Wisconsin. Yes. I mean, have you seen what football games are like in Madison? Have you seen what they're like in Michigan? I've been to the big house. I know what they're like in the SEC, too. I know that. Yeah, they're big. I get it. You know, but and here's the other thing. You know what, Penn State. I don't want Penn State's these... desirable. You should have. You should have let off with Penn State or something. I could understand this. No, I was trying to. I was trying to broaden their mind a little bit. I didn't want to go with the with the okay, Michigan, Ohio State. Duh, that's a given. But start thinking about Madison. Madison is one of the coolest places. Just go go watch a, a football game. I mean, everybody says if you haven't been to to what do they call that? The, they call that the bounce house or, or whatever they call it up there in Madison. It's 
it's it's unbelievable the the atmosphere in that place. Um, you know, you- and then you throw in Ohio State and Michigan, and it broadens. I think it broadens FSU's brand too, just like the ACC did. Uh, you've already got a foothold in the Southeast. Why not broaden? Your I wonder plans? if it changes, you know, because the Big Ten has a like all these conferences. I think they all have a particular identity. It feels like, like you know, yeah. like the Big Ten's always been about you know rough and rugged defense and things like that. And it's more bo- it's I call it boring offensive football for the most part, unless you're like one of the top two schools there. Like yeah. when you have to play, I'm just thinking about it. When you have to play, you start playing the Wisconsin's of the world. You start playing the Iowas of the world, and you start playing the Illinois of the world. Like as Programs that are coming into the conference, do you think it forces them to almost have to adapt to their kind no. of style of play a little bit? Oh, or- absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you've, you've seen that in, in other conferences when some of these teams come in. It opens things up, right? And I think, I think just in general, the, you know, the Big Ten model of it's more rugged, slow football, I think that's kind of gone by the wayside for the most part i think I mean, i'll be honest i'm just i'm being honest i'm thinking just about iowa you know they love punting yeah. over there <laughs> I mean, as long as kirk ferentz is there i don't think they're i don't think they're ever yeah exactly i don't think they're ever going to come around to the new age well i think it yeah, i think it get, makes you more well-rounded as a university as a conference i mean i think the the opportunities are unbelievable too i mean because you think of the west coast now think of you know, USC and UCLA coming in. Dude, Washington, now you're in a conference with Washington and Oregon. Now you're in a conference with Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin. That is I mean, a, that's, a hell of a, that's a hell of an in-conference schedule right there. I mean, I want to FSU at Penn State, FSU at the Horseshoe, never been. I've been to Michigan, the big house in 93, I believe it was, or 91, sorry. Uh, Casey Weldon, uh, uh, T-Buck picking off the second pass of the game, taking it uh, – to the house. I mean, that place was unbelievable. And you just want to go to other places like that. So, man, I, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking about it, too. It's a good thing this playoff's actually expanding because I'm just hearing, like, these teams that, like, the schools are going to have to play now, like, in-conference schedule. And there's going to be less, like, cupcakes, I guess, for you to come around. Good. Like, it's a good thing. Good. But we yeah. this this almost tells you why you need the expanded playoff because I couldn't imagine at the end. I just I don't think you're going to see, like, like, three teams that are undefeated or something like that. By the end of like right. the regular oh, season no, schedule, with kind and of that's the, the beauty of it because with these super conferences, you don't have to worry about losing one or two, even two games. Exactly, just win your division, win your division, get to the conference championship, win that, get into yeah. the playoff, so and so forth. You know, so you and that's and this is another thing I want to say: let's not get rid of non-conference games. I do not want FSU to never play Florida. FSU and Florida need to play every year mm-hmm. i don't i do not want to get rid of that rivalry now i know as these conferences get bigger there's going to be a push for just all conference games i don't want to see that I, it, you could cut it down to maybe two maybe one so you can have a chief rival game with florida um you know and those don't count in your division so you know don't they don't count in your division record which will be the main uh, determining factor on whether you move to the conference so it's not like oh why should we, we're in the Big Ten now? Why do we need to play Florida every year? Well, and have does, this that, tough out of does that does that bo- does that bother you though? Because like from a history tr- like standpoint, like because I feel like it's almost going to be very unlikely if they don't end up in the same conference that you're going to see Florida State play Florida and Miami going forward every single year. Like that seems like both the odds of getting both of those on an out of con. And do you want both of those on an out of conference schedule? Yes, like I said, if if they don't count towards. My division record that's going to determine 
whether I make it to the conference championship or not, so I'll still have a, a pathway to, to the playoff, then yes, because in the end, this is entertainment. I want as many games. I, would, I don't want to see FSU playing Southern Miss anymore, right? I don't want to It's a waste of time. It's a waste, it's a of, waste a home of game. Time. <laughs> it's a waste of time. It's a waste of a home game. Nobody wants to pay for that. Nobody, it's, it, it, it's, just, it's awful, right? It's yeah. bad football. And it's just, you know, the only teams that, that benefit from that are Southern Miss. And their players get their ass kicked, which is not fun for them. And then the school gets all the money. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. So I think and somebody asked here, um, uh, let me see if I can pop this one up. Um, would it be a better landing spot for the Knowles, Big Ten, SEC, or Big 12? Fox could be sniffing around the SEC's backyard. It would be a big get for the Big Ten to be in the South. Absolutely. That's why I think, you know, that's why my whole argument was I, I know – you know, people think, oh, we're, we're culturally more aligned with the SEC. Uh, exactly, we are. Um, and either one would be fantastic. You to be just, you honest, have to, you have just, to. Let's don't bury the lead. Get the hell out of the ACC. Yeah. Get that, the hell at out the of end the, of the day, I'm so done with that conference. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, get out of the ACC. But it's just kind of, I mean, it's the cliche, but it's where we are in college sports. Like, you have to almost. You have to you have to almost expand your mind a little bit and get out of that box of like regional because of that's the way college football has been. Does it make any? I'll say it again. Does it make any sense that USC's in the same conference as Rutgers when we're on no. the, literally the two most opposite ends of the freaking country? Right. No. That doesn't make any no. sense. But guess what? That's happening. That's happening. Well, and the world is smaller now, right? In so many ways. Well, guess what? We have an NFL team in Seattle and an NFL team in Miami. What's the difference? It's a league. They're all in the same hey, league, hey, right? Look, hey, you go to the go to the uh, baseball. The Rays are in the same division as a team that's not even in this country. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's 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 where we're at right now. So, it, it, college football has now become a national game, obviously. But it's as it, it's 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 in recent years, it's been become a regional sport because the Southeast is dominated, right? In, in, in winning championships. And I think it needs to be bigger. It needs to be more national. It needs to be more like the NFL in every way. So I think this is just the natural evolution of what we have. And I think if you're an FSU fan and, you, and you're and you you know a little hesitant about going to the Big Ten, I would say expand your mind a little bit. Expand your mind a little bit. And new experiences are, are something that, that you, you, you will enjoy. And they'll, trust me, if it's a 12-team playoff, they will be playing teams in the SEC. And again, I would want to keep at least one or two non-conference games to to uh, keep some of these rivalries, these inter-conference rivalries, going on. Um, you know, maybe the first week of the you know, week zero is always a kickoff classic where you're matching. In, you know, it's an SEC Big Ten challenge, right? Mm-hmm. And you and, and so that's so many good opportunities. And I, and I don't think more, both. I couldn't good see. Games. Yeah, I couldn't see both schools, Florida and Florida State. That is, I couldn't see both administrations like raising a, a big stink about it. You know, like I yeah, feel like when yeah. it comes to like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State's a good example. It feels like, and I don't really know. Obviously, what's going on there, but you listen to the way Mike Gundy sounds. He makes it, he makes it kind of sound like Oklahoma wanted no part of the rivalry going forward, like they were dead right. and buried there. And like, but I don't think you get. I don't get that vibe from FSU and Florida. I feel like they understand the importance. Like, that's our game of this state, which is, like, one of the most important states for college football. That has to remain at all cost. I agree. 100%. It needs to. Um, here's another one from uh, T. Knowles. The Grand Rights 2036 means the Knowles will be four to $500 behind Vandy and Mississippi schools when it runs out. No way to compete, especially with NIL. That's what you got to understand, folks, is that once these state laws get cleaned up, 
the money that's pouring into these programs from the conferences can be used for NIL. So it's basically going into your salary cap. And however this new you know, legislation is going to work through, that's going to control a lot of the NIL, at least track the NIL and, and, and make it hopefully an even playing field for everybody. I think this is where we're headed, um, that it's easier to get these things done. Uh, and for FSU, again, it's it's a no-brainer. they got to get out of the ACC. Uh, and by the way, um, I'm texting with Drew Weatherford, and hopefully he's uh, going to join us in the 11 o'clock hour. If we don't get him on today, we'll get him on another day for sure. So um, stay tuned for that. Uh, where are we at? All right, let's uh, let's get into a couple other things we need to get to. Uh, your Tampa Bay Rays, that was not a good – Good outing last night uh, for Shane McClanahan. And I, I didn't realize, leading Topkins' article today, I didn't realize how bad Shane's been. I mean, it's been really, really bad. His last seven starts, if I got this correctly, um, he's 0-1 with a 7-3-6 ERA. Are you effing kidding me? 30 well, hits yeah. in 25 and a third innings, eight walks. I mean, uh, these numbers are... Are, are terrible. They're yeah, Taj Bradley I, numbers. I said it at Maybe the beginning. Worse, they're I, worse than Taj Bradley. Yeah, I said it at the beginning of the week. I, I kind of had been monitoring monitoring what had been like Shane McClanahan's outings lately, and like I don't think I've really raised a fuss because it's Shane McClanahan, and you just figure at some point he'll bounce back and get it going. When he was coming off the injury, but yes, this has gone on. What was it? Six starts there, right? Since the, since he got injured, since yeah. he came back, six starts, and the ERA, like his overall ERA, I think has jumped. All the way up to three two nine, and that thing was sitting yeah. like like at like two two or two three before the injury. Something insane. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's a little bit concerning, only because I like I said, I think I might have said it yesterday. This happened last year with Shane McClanahan, where he had a great first half, and then he tapered off in the second half, and wasn't as great down this, not as dominant down the stretch. Still good, but not dominant. But last seven starts there, six starts, whatever it was, he just has not been a good pitcher whatsoever. Definitely not what you expect from your ace, but giving him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because he did come back from the injury, and based on what he said last night, it sounds like he's got something new that's popped up there. Yeah, a strained uh, forearm, which is never good. I mean, that's the precursor to... The TJ. We well, it sounds like words. it sounds like it's on the outside of the arm rather than the inside, though. So that, that's good. That gives them more hope, I think. Yeah, I can, and you can never trust what the Rays say early on about injuries. They're always very optimistic, and then next thing you know, the guy's got Tommy John. So I don't, I don't really trust much of what they say early on. So this is just scary. The guy has had, the, you know, the back tightness. Now this, yeah, it's um, just it's just odd because he was still throwing ninety nine yesterday. I know the, the velo of, was there. The velo was there. The velo was definitely there. I just I couldn't really pinpoint what really was off with him last night. Well, you know, at this at this level, it's you just need to be a tick off, right? And, and those two pitches that he made to uh, Volpe and uh, uh, Stanton were a little bit too much over the plate. And Volpe's was, you know, Mickey Jesus. Mouse. Mickey Mouse, Bandbox, ridiculous. Y'all are coming run. around now. This this shit doesn't happen in in, in America's ballpark. Only I'm, I'm guessing the only place that that correct uh, uh, is a, correct with an expected batting average of 180 on that. Just thing. because just because that's a Bandbox doesn't mean that it's the Trop is America's ballpark. By the way, the, I, I saw how you slipped that in there. Um, but but how about Wander shot? Oh my career goodness. high 431 foot shot. How about that in the second deck? Yeah, that was a, your boy. That was that's the bomb. Wander's starting to heat up a little bit. 
Yes, he is. Water's starting yeah, to heat up a needed. little bit, but here was the here, yeah. was, here was the home run in the first inning, the call from uh, Bally Sports. We're just not real happy with his location. There's a high shot back into deep right field, way up there, and that baby is gone. Home run, Wander Franco, and the Rays are off to a 2-0 lead. Boy, at this point, you're thinking, my, we're going to get the sweep over the over the Yankees. We're going to get to Garrett Cole again. It's just going to be fantastic. And uh, no, uh, McClanahan uh, gives up the booty, and they lose 7-2. Well, now he's back here for an MRI. Well, let's, and then there's this. Hold up real quick. Let me, or go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. At Bucks Basement says, I'm so disappointed that the Rays didn't do squat for bats. I'm not looking forward to another game where we're no hit for 15 innings in the playoffs. This team is going nowhere. Bucks Basement, you're exactly right. Christopher Cole, Rays are struggling. You got that right. It's uh, it's it's not going to be good. You're negative. Y'all's good. negativity, man. They have the most wins in the American League. This team's going nowhere. Are you kidding me right now? Who says that? Who said team's uh, going nowhere? Think- they have 66 don't- wins. Yeah, and Baltimore Orioles are in first place. They're game and a half. Game and a half. Mm-hmm. Come on. They're gonna f- mm-hmm. I'm telling you, they're going to that pitching staff is going to flame out at some point. I'm I'm banking on it. I'm banking on it. But before I come back to this real quick, I was gonna tell you the real problem with what I saw last night. And the reason why the Rays lost the game. What's that? They can't hit elite pitching? Yes, you're correct. They Stop. They, they, they have beat Garrett up Cole. on Garrett Cole for majority of his time as a Yankee. Thank you very much. Not, not last night. He's, well, he's on a heater right now. Sometimes he, it's Garrett Cole. Sometimes it happens, okay? A lot of people he's can't got, hit. A lot of people, nobody's hitting Garrett Cole right now. Anyway. Well, he's got the spider tack back. Yeah, he's got the spider tack. Him and Domingo are, are cooking it up yeah. there in a the dugout. Anyway, oh, I'll get to him later, too. Uh I mean, you messed my train of thought up here. Anyway, Ben, it was Bendix's fault because they put him in the studio between Dwayne and Brian. Did you see this? And he could have no, just stayed for the half inning where, you know, the Rays went three up, three down, and that was it. That's all the time we had for Peter. But he came back from the bottom half of the inning, and that's the inning where the Rays gave up five runs. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, can we please get this guy out of the booth? He has brought bad luck over here to this team being in that booth. And he was going on and on and on about certain topics and – He's not that interesting to listen to, and the Rays are giving up five runs, and McClanahan's not pitching well, and Stanton's hitting bombs. Well, this was a chaotic inning. I I I, I had the sound down because I was doing some other work, so I didn't hear Bendix. Um, uh, first, first of all, I thought somebody was dropping off food, like an errand boy was bringing food into the to, to the booth or something. I'm like, this, he looks like he's seven seven years old. But then I'm like, what, what's he talking about? Like, I don't even want to hear it. What was the excuse he gave for not spending big money on a bat? He didn't have any. There were no bat. deals out there that we liked. It was, uh, there, you know, it was, we would have had to give up our future. It blah, 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 blah. What did he say? I actually can, can uh, bring up the part where he talked about the trade deadline if you'd like. Excuses. What'd you say? Say that yeah. again. Can't wait to hear these excuses. Yeah, let me let me get to it here, so you can hear the. Uh, I wasn't gonna play it today, but because I brought Bendix up, I'm like, well, we might as well play it. So let me yeah. get, let me get right, to it here. Let's hear it. Going and back to, to the trade deadline. What's that and like? So How many different deals are you working on? I mean, are you kicking the tires on everybody? Do you have a list that you're going after hard? How does that work? 
for the most part, you want to be at least aware of everybody who you think has a chance to either be traded or help our team, if not both. And there's so many moving parts. There's so many different things that are going on at once. You need to be aware of the price. You need to be aware of a lot of different things. But you're having conversations with, you know, 20 plus other teams at the same time. And, and I mean, on the phone all the time, as you would imagine? On the phone all the time. We kind of divide and conquer. Eric Neander, our president of baseball ops, does a lot of the phone calls to his counterpart. I'll do phone calls to my counterpart. We've got people, you know, executing back channel conversations, trying to learn as much as information as we possibly can. How difficult is it? You know, you, you don't want to be over the top of those conversations. You want to maybe be a little coy, but somewhere... Oh, there's a shot into right field. On the track, Lowe's going to make the catch out there for the second out. Somewhere in those conversations, I guess you can't be over the top, but you have to strike that uh, middle ground, I guess, in those conversations if there's someone who you're really, really interested in. You know, the closer we get to the deadline, the more direct those conversations <laughs> tend to be. <laughs> But you're absolutely right. There's a negotiating, a strategy aspect, and just an aspect of trying to execute a good deal, mm. even if it might mean missing out on the very best pie-in-the-sky deal. Mm. Because at the end of the day, we're just trying to make a deal that helps our team and the other team so that they're going to keep trading with us, mm -hmm. right? If yep. we get a player that we like that performs well for us and the other team does the same thing, everybody's happy. Yep. We're thrilled. We want Aaron Savali to be the best pitcher he possibly can. The player we traded away, Kyle Manzardo, first base prospect, we think he's going to be really good. We hope he is really good, as long as Aaron Savali is good for us as well. <laughs> There's your, uh, that was Peter Benedict yesterday on I, the, uh, the broadcast. I, I mean, he's a nice young man. He really is. But that voice, I mean. <laughs> Let's be nice. Let's be nice. <laughs> he's just so, look, look. I feel sorry for Peter Bendix, and I feel sorry for Eric Meander. I mean, they are walking through their jobs with triple handcuffs, um, and they're not even probably the furry kind. I mean, it's 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 got to be terrible. I'm having to try to deal and make deals when you're not allowed to add any significant salary. I mean, everybody else is out there adding salary, doing things, and you know, people think the Rays added salary yesterday. Some Yahoo on here is like, "Oh, we added salary eight hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars." No, I believe there. I believe there was specific. Hold up, me? hold up. I believe there was specifics to the and I, the deals that I didn't really discuss because they just kind of were what they were. Those little minor deals they made for the two pitchers oh from Chicago. God. Like I believe they took on. I think it's named Samson's contract or something like that in order to get the other pitcher who they really wanted. I th I, <laughs> I think that was part of it. Yeah. The Astros are tra are spending ninety two million dollars on Justin Verlander. I'm not saying bad business. That's a good thing. Bad business. It's, it's actually you won't know. Actually, well, you're it's awful see, you're business. You're going to sit here and come at Hold me up. with eight hundred sixty six thousand dollars and some minor league pitchers salary that we picked up. Hold are you up, kid. Hold me? up. It's actually awful business by the Astros because they didn't want to pay him that in the off season. Instead, they decided to get him at the trade deadline and decided to trade both of their top prospects. It's actually, awful I, I, business. I, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, and how many World Series have they won recently? Uh, two. Um, yeah. Uh, how many we've won? Uh, none. Okay. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, it, it is what it is. I, I, but uh, if you, I would rather you guys 
just say, you're right, JP. I hope we win, but you're right. We're going to have to do it on a shoestring budget, and everything's going to have to fall our way, and nobody can get hurt. Nothing. We can't have anything bad happen, and maybe everything will come together. Randy will hit 25 home runs in the postseason. We'll get to the World Series in a COVID year, and we'll, we might you know, get a chance to win. Yeah, you're right. Let's just all say that and accept. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. And this is the headline of the segment. If the sale of the Rays happens sooner than later. That's all I'm going to say. Do not be surprised if Stu Sternberg is not the owner of this baseball team next year. Now why That'll would he, solve all. Now why would he, solve now why would all he do that? Of our problems. Why would he? Why would he sell? Because people are offering him a lot of money to sell, and if you haven't noticed, owners of sports teams in this economy are selling teams. Well, first time in a while, teams are being sold around sports landscape. Just saying, do not be shocked. You've heard about the Dan Doyle deal that's already been out there. Okay, there is, there are credible negotiations that have been happening, as we have been previously reported. Haven't heard a lot about it recently. I'm just saying, don't be surprised. Yeah, he'll sell after he after the Rays win the World Series this year, and you know, there we go. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, we'll take a break, and we'll come back on the other side. And uh, Sal Palatonio is going to join us from ESPN. So stay with us. Quick break. Experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had. It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old, it's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back that doesn't happen with the jeeves law group personal attention is what they're all about when you call the jeeves law group you will be part of the family they will 
represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. It's only just begun. <clears throat> All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you by the G's Law Group, the Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Let's welcome in the man, the myth, one of the greatest NFL reporters in the history of the game, the great Sal Palantonio and the host of the Matchup Show. What's up, my friend? How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, J.P. What a big weekend for Tampa Bay Buck fans. Fantastic. Cannot wait to get to Canton and uh, revel in this uh, election and induction of Rondé Barber finally into the Hall of Fame. I think, and Sal, I don't know if you agree, I think he's one of the most unique players, most versatile players. I think that's why it kind of took the the, uh, committee a long time to wrap their arms around him as a player and finally put him in. But um, that's how I've always described him. I think he's the most versatile, unique defender I've ever seen play in the NFL. What are your thoughts on Rondé's career? Well, as you know, I'm one of the 46 selectors for the Hall of Fame, and I've sat in those committee meetings uh, year after year. And Monday Barber has gotten vigorous conversation uh, over the years, and uh, people have been paying attention to his career and his status to get into the Hall of Fame. I've always thought that he had a Hall of Fame career, his versatility, his toughness, his production second really to none at that position he was perfectly suited for the tampa two defense and tony dungy and later uh monty kiffin so uh i think he deserves to be in the hall of fame i voted for him and when you look at it that defense which i thought was one of historically one of the most underrated defenses of all time uh got warren Sapp and Derek brooks and johnny lynch in and uh, i believe simeon rice deserves uh deserves serious consideration and of course Rondé Barber gets in so you know I I'm a big believer in Rondé Barber's career and you know (laughs) I've said this before and you know him very well but the people of the Tampa Bay area and Bucks fans should be thankful for Ira Kaufman because I think having sat in those meetings for 12 years nobody makes a better presentation on behalf of the hometown players in his hometown than Ira Kaufman. He's truly the master. He's the king. He makes you want to pay attention. I remember very well, we got Warren Sapp in ahead of Michael Strahan because of the presentation by Ira Kaufman. So Ira stuck to it, stuck to it with Johnny Lynch and and Rondé Barber, and we finally got Rondé Barber in. And congratulations to Rondé Barber, his whole family, and the Bucks organization because he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's it's going to be. Are you going to be up there this weekend? Or you have other no, duties. I am not. I'm doing. I'll be in Tampa on uh, Monday. We're doing Sports yes. Center reports and a conversation with your two quarterbacks and your head coach that'll be running next week uh, prior to the first preseason game. So we're excited for that. But I will not. I I've gone for twelve straight years. I'm not going this year. 
Uh, they had uh, some local New York people who wanted to go with the Jets, and so I stepped aside and let some other people go. Oh, how nice of you, Sal Pal. That's, that, that's fantastic. Well, all right, so you mentioned you're coming to see the Bucks. Obviously, they are not on the national radar. Um, it's such a it, – I mean, last year, last three years, it was Tom Brady and the Bucks were everywhere, and now they are a complete afterthought. Um, what are going? What are some of the storylines you're looking at as you as you uh, approach uh, uh, being here on Monday? Well, you know, uh, the Patriots went through the same thing that the Bucks are going through now: life after Tom, year one yeah. after Brady. And uh, I'm interested to see how they uh, cope at the quarterback position because when you look at that roster with Evan, Evans and Godwin and uh, your two great linebackers and, and your pass rush. <clears throat> and you've got two all-pros on the offensive line. The Bucks are laden with talent, and they have one of the best coaches in the NFL and Todd Bowles. So I'm interested in a couple of things. Uh, with the one-year deal that they put on Baker Mayfield, with the interest that they have in Kyle Trask and developing him as a franchise quarterback, you know, if you look around the league, how many teams really have truly a quarterback competition like this one? but also has the level of talent that this team has. To me, they can go back and win the division. I look at that. I agree. I look at the division. I look at the division and I, I see 10 wins on that schedule uh, quite, quite, quite significantly. I think they can win 10 games. Wow. A lot of, a lot of Bucks fans will be surprised to hear you say that. I'm with you. I, I, I'm, I'm targeting nine, 10 games. And I think a big part of it is the fact that um, they've got a, a new offensive coordinator in Dave Canales. And this guy, I don't know if you've met him yet, but he is an extremely charismatic guy. And he'll be one of those guys, and I know you've seen him as they work their way up through the, through the ranks. Robert Sala comes to mind that when you meet him, you go, that guy is going to be a head coach in this league. He's going to be a head coach in this league. And I, I feel that way about Dave Canales. There's a, there's a charisma to him. And they're, the way he has brought a new life to this offense, the quarterback is on the move. You've got, and, and Kyle Trask can move now. You'll, you might be a little surprised to see this six foot five, 225 pound guy moving the way he's moving. Um, he's kind of evened up this quarterback co uh, competition, if not moved ahead. That's the big storyline here. And you said Evans, Godwin, the, the, the line I think is going to be better because of the offense. I think it's going to surprise some people. And I think this defense can be a top five defense. You've got, you know, you're, you got two guys on the outside that, that can cover. You've got Todd Bowles and the way he can develop his creative pressure. So, I, yeah, I think they're one of the surprise teams. And I, But I will ask you this. You mentioned Todd Bowles. I think he's the wild card because I look at this team last year, from, and I call it from Dallas to Dallas. The opener, that was the best game that the Bucks played all year, maybe the one against Seattle, but I think that was, that was a butt kicking. And Dallas completely flipped the script on them on their own field, uh, you know, six months later. And if your team is getting that much worse as the season goes along, you got issues as, as from a coaching staff standpoint. What do you think? Well, let's start with the offense. I agree with you about the new offensive coordinator. He's a head coach in waiting. Uh, he's been sitting in Seattle for a long time, and now he gets a chance to be a guy who runs his own offense. 
And the specific thing that has to change offensively is they've got to achieve more balance offensively. That's what Todd Bowles is going to want to do. Brady ran the offense last year. He had 733 pass attempts that led the National Football League. Can't have that. Crazy. It's got to get, it's, yeah, it's got to get down to about 580, 590. Can't go above 600. And you've got to be able to run the football. And that is the basis of the offense because the basis of the offense is play action, boot action, rolling the pocket out. We've seen it over and over again in Baker Mayfield's career, how he likes to move the launch platform uh, around behind the line of scrimmage and open up passing lanes. Trask won't have to do that because he's a lot bigger. I have seen some of Trask on film, but I've never seen him in person. I'm anxious to see him. But the number one thing is reduce the number of passing attempts, have more balance on offense, and create opportunities for play action, boot action, and moving the line of scrimmage. Now, they had all that passing game last year. Number one in the NFC in passing. Number two in the NFC in passing, in the NFL in passing. But they were number 25 in points scored, 18.4 points per game. It's nearly impossible, JP, to have an NFL rank of number two in the passing game and number 25 in scoring. (laughs) It's nearly impossible, and the reason is very simple. Their turnover differential was minus 20, excuse me, minus 2. They were ranked 20th in the league, and they just had too much imbalance on offense. And so, uh, listen, are they going to the Super Bowl? No, they're not. Are they capable of having life after Tom Brady? Yes, they are, definitely. And the way I look at it, they can beat Chicago at home, they can go to New Orleans before the bye. They can be two and two, and then they got two home games, and they can be four and two before Buffalo comes. Uh, they have to go up to Buffalo. So this is a team, in my view. I look at I look at this team, and I think, all right, what's what are the choke points in this schedule? And they are obviously at Buffalo on in, on October twenty sixth, and at Green Bay on December seventeenth. So those are the two places where they could really have problems and fall off. Yeah. And, but, you know, I think, I think Baker Mayfield will start, uh, but Kyle Trask is going to really compete for the starting position. I mean, to me, the team is pretty good for life after Brady because Trask has ability. He really does. Yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and he's and he's showing it now. And um, I think it's going to be very, very these next two weeks, especially their time in New York, and those you know, as you know now, these these joint practices are more important than the actual games. They get a lot yes. more done, and a lot more evaluation is done. So it's going to be critical to see where that goes, and um, it's going to be fun to watch. All right, uh, before we leave the Bucks, one more question, Sal Pal. Since you are a Hall of Fame voter, as, as we mentioned, Mike Evans. Uh, he's up for a contract. I think they'll get the deal done. Uh, maybe may not be the Demonte Adams deal that his reps want, but it'll be close. And I think he deserves it. I think he ten years in, um, he's still he's faster and better than he's ever been, and I believe that because the way Tom Brady changed him 
the way he run, uh, works his body, all of that. He gives Brady a lot of credit for that. Do you think he's Hall of Fame worthy where he's at right now? How much more does he need to do to get that gold jacket, you think? Well, I mean, you know, geez, he's got a long way to go in order to get the right. gold jacket. I think he deserves definitely the big money contract. And the Bucks mm-hmm. have always been smart. The, the the organization, the ownership, the Glazers, they've always been smart in investing in the right players. And, JP, the team's going nowhere without Mike Evans being happy and healthy. They're going nowhere. Right. He, right. So they ought to realize that, you know, what happened to Aaron Rodgers after Devontae Adams left and went to went to Las Vegas, that's, yep. that's a really good indication of how much you need. Uh, a, unless you've got Andy Reid or right. Patrick Mahomes, who's basically Michael Jordan playing quarterback, um, or, you know, better a better example is Magic Johnson, the way he distributes the football and how yep. quickly he gets the football out of his hands. Unless you've got Patrick Mahomes, you can't lose Tyreek Hill. You've got to pay the wide receivers now in the NFL. They're not going to pay the running backs. They got to pay, and, and we know they're going to pay the quarterbacks and the tackles. You got to pay the wide receivers just as much in order to make it go. All right, um, you've been to the Giants, Eagles, Jets, and Panthers. I think Bucks fans will be most interested in what's going on with the diminutive one, uh, Bryce Young in Carolina. He's so small, talented, great leader. Love so much about him, but man, is he small! What are your thoughts? Seeing him in person. My thoughts. My thoughts are: uh, I was there the day he was drafted. I've seen him a little bit, and he certainly has the charisma, uh, the command, and the composure and the confidence to be a starting NFL quarterback. The question is: Will he be able to see over the line of scrimmage? Will they create the right passing lanes for him to play? Remember, he's almost two inches smaller than Drew Brees. Wow, wow, and yeah. lighter too. I mean, he's so and small, nice. much smaller than Russell Wilson in terms of body, body yeah. uh, muscle. So, yeah. it, it it is going to be one of the more interesting things is what in the world they do uh, in order to make the passing game go. Because if you just drop him back to pass, it'll be very difficult. This is not Alabama. It's not the SEC. It's the NFL with grown guys. Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be tough. What did you see in the vibe from the Jets camp with right with Aaron there? Well, I think Aaron Rodgers has taken over the team, much like Tom Brady took over the Bucks when he arrived, J.P., Mm-hmm. I think he, he had a wish list of players, and they met that wish list. Um, he's reconfiguring his contract to make sure he gets the free agents that he wants. What's the biggest thing he's missing? In my view, a healthy running game. And I think he should pick up Dalvin Cook. No no question about it. I like the way you no say it. I think Aaron Rodgers should pick up Dalvin you know, Cook because just like way, when Brady way, was look, here. Look at the way Tom did it with, with Leonard Fournette. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm actually shocked that he's still not there yet, but probably because Dalvin wants no part of the early part of training camp. <laughs> he's probably already decided that's where he's going. Uh, and then um, you were with the Eagles as well. 
they're just absolutely loaded. I love what they did in the draft. They're, they've gotten better. Uh, they're the best team of the NFC, right? It's and it, and it may not be close. I think they have the best quarterback in the NFC and the best roster in the NFC. They have a very, very difficult schedule. And the big unknown is their middle linebacker, Nicobe Dean. The young man out of Georgia who's basically had a red shirt year last year after the Eagles uh, drafted him. Uh, <clears throat> he's going to be wearing the green dot on the back of his helmet. He's not very big. And I'm interested to see how he works out. Uh, you can't have a defense in the NFL if you don't have any linebackers. And right now the Eagles had uh, so much uh, loss on defense due to free agency. And the number one area where they had a problem uh, is at the linebacker position. So I'm very interested to see what they do with N'Kobe Dean. Remember, he's only 5'11", 231 pounds. It's the reason why he dropped all the way to the third round, even though mm -hmm. uh, he was such a heralded linebacker on a great defense at Georgia. So he's only 5'11", and then they lost some safeties. So right up the middle, their defense is going to be a big issue. And then the other thing is, you know, they lost Miles Sanders, and that's 259 carries last year, 11 touchdowns. That's a big mm -hmm. hole in the offense. I know they're talking about DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, but those are two guys that uh, have a little wear on the tires. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they make that up, too. Linebacker position and the running back, because you can't have your quarterback exposed as much as they did. And I'm curious, you speak about, you know, Philly and like in San Francisco, I think is probably the other team you throw in there as the class of sort of the NFC. But the rest of it seems like a bit of a wild card of what you're going to get. Do you think there's any maybe a team that we're not paying attention to as much that has a chance to sort of challenge those guys? Or do you think maybe even like a Dallas who we talk about a lot is the team that could get over the hump this year? No, I think people talk about Dallas and they talk about Detroit. Uh, certainly. Uh, and when you look at the Lions, though, they start in Kansas City, then Seattle comes in, and then they go Green Bay uh, week five. So the Lions have a really tough schedule. And, you know, they come down to Tampa uh, mm -hmm. on October 15th. And by that time, they could already have three losses before they have to go to Baltimore right after that. So they have a really tough schedule. they got to go to the Chargers, go to Minnesota, and they have to go to Dallas. The Lions have a tough schedule. So I know people talk about, you know, to me the two things that matter the most in any NFL season is, is your quarterback turning the ball over and what's your schedule. Hmm. And, uh, you know, you read, you read all the comments from Bolsey, right? Yeah. First job of the quarterback. What's the first job of the quarterback? Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn, turn the ball over. <laughs> Don't turn the ball over. That's the first job. Is that is that the defensive mindset uh, coming to coming to the front forefront there? With just don't turn it over, don't put my defense in a bad position. That's we know it's you know statistically it's the most important stat in football is turnovers. But I think with defensive coaches, it's even more so. Absolutely. Well, you know, Bowles came out of the Parcells school. You know, yeah. that was all. That was what Parcells was all about. <laughs> you know, reduce the chances of the quarterback turning the football over. Uh, through the number of uh, pass attempts and, you know, make sure you have the balanced offense. It, it, you know, football is not that hard. you got to run it when they expect you to throw it, and you got to throw it when they expect you to run it. 
And, and, and you know, Sal Powell, when you, we talk about Coach Bowles, and I love him as a man. He's such a tremendous role model. I love the dude. I As I watched him coach last year, I think it was a dysfunctional situation. I don't think he did a great job managing this team. Accountability was was at a, at a low in the, in the Brady area area, and I want him to succeed. And I'll say this, and I'll be very interested to see after you visit with him if you see a different Todd Bowles than I saw last year. He he to me is much more comfortable in his skin in terms of being the head coach. He's been much more assertive. I think the the choice of Dave Canales is is a very symbolic of where his head is. He could have you know he could have gone with five or ten guys that he's worked with and are very close with and are friends with in this league to be the OC. He went completely off the board and went and got a guy who's running an offense that gives his defense fits as that Seattle, that Rams kind of concepts to it. And I think that was a bold choice. I think it was outside the box. I think it was a great choice. And I think it shows me that he's much more in charge. He's being much more assertive. And I think he's going to be a different head coach this year. At least that that is my hope. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are a couple of things, JP. Um, I wouldn't say it was dysfunctional. I would say that there was just so many unknowns about Tom Brady. He came in and, uh, you know, won the Super Bowl. Arians goes uh, for a lot of different reasons. Things are in uh, a state of flux. And yeah. uh, Todd Bowles comes in as the head coach in the middle of all that. So, you know, he was he was dealt a challenging situation, and I thought he handled exactly. it uh, like, like he normally does with a plum and with a gentleman uh, nature to him. So, uh, now, now I don't think Canales is out of the side of the box. I think he wants to run a play-action offense that has more balance so that his defense, his defense gave up 21 points a game last year. 21 points a game. That was sixth best in the NFC. So if you have yeah. a top 10 defense in points allowed and in your conference, you ought to win 10, 11 games. That's the bottom yeah. line. And the bottom line is they didn't score enough points. Now, obviously, the last two games at Atlanta, they gave up 31. They gave up 24 uh, to the Carolina Panthers in that win. They gave up 30 to Atlanta, 31 to Dallas. You know, <laughs> those two games were, in my view, were outliers for the defense. So, uh, but at that point, you know, everybody was like wondering where's Tom going to go and what's what's the future of the yeah. team. That, that to me now, you know, how they replace the quarterback position is key. Uh, that, that is the key for me. Hey, but before you go real quick, I just had one final question about kind of circling back Wait real quick. I got I to go. I got to oh. leave. Well, I, <laughs> no, you, can stay, you can stay as long as you, you can stay as long as you want or anything. But uh, no, I wanted to, I definitely wanted to get I'm this. Go ahead. I got? definitely wanted to get this in there real quick, just about the Hall of Fame real quick, since we have you on and get your perspective. Uh, there's a certain player who is certainly Hall of Fame worthy by the numbers, and I'm just curious how you would approach this, and, and that's an Antonio Brown. Whenever that day comes that he's eligible, as a voter, how do you approach that? Do you even think anybody would even be willing to even make that case at this point for him? Great yeah, question. so, you know, we got a couple of years for it to work <laughs> itself out. Right. Uh, you know, T.O. is a pretty problematic candidate, too. Not on the level of Antonio Brown, for sure. Never walked off the field shirtless on his football team. Uh, so, 
Um, I don't know. I don't have a ready answer for that. Kind of comes out <laughs> of left field. Uh, you know, I think that'll be interesting, but because somebody will have to represent him in the room uh, if he gets into the room, which, as you know, is difficult to do because it comes down to the final 15 who are discussed on the week before the Super Bowl. So we got some time. We'll have to see. Uh, where it goes, but I'm going to punt on that one for now. I'm going to throw it out of bounds. I'm going to punt. Dirt that ball, man. And not throw it to the other team with an interception right now. I'm just going to like uh, lay low for it. I don't have to make that decision now, okay? <laughs> the, play, the play is dead. Dirt it. That's that's the way it should be. Yeah. All right, yeah, partner. Live, in, live, live for another day. I'll see you guys down there. Looking forward to coming down. You know, I love to come down to one bucks. Been a couple of years, so I'm really yes. I've been there since the before uh, actually the COVID years when uh, when Brady won the Super Bowl. So uh, well, I'm looking forward tennis, to brother, it, and uh, we'll see uh, you when I'm down there. If you want to play some tennis, I'll be happy to host you and find somebody that can play on your level because it ain't me anymore. Oh, <laughs> we'll God, I love our you. games. They're fantastic. I love being with you, brother. Thanks so much for having me. Sal Pal, you're the best, the best. Sal Palatonio, ESPN right there. Fantastic stuff. And, uh, and I really enjoyed him on Get Up. He was so good on Get Up. Yeah, it's a great format for you. Love it. Um, oh. Sal Palantonio. I tried to I tried to get that answer in there. You I jumped was, the, you stumped the Sal Pal, bro. Oh, I, I had was a, like, ooh, I had that's a, a good question. I had a different question originally because I was looking at Hall of Fame and like I've said it on here before. I feel like the receiver position, for whatever reason, feels really hard to get in. Like four of the top twelve receivers receiving yards wise in the NFL all time are not in the Hall of Fame. Steve Smith, no. Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson. And I want to say Torrey Holt's the other one. And Torrey Holt in particular, I can't figure out why he's not in the hall. So I was going to go there. But then when I was looking at my list, Antonio Brown came up. And I was like, hmm, I wonder who, how a Hall of Fame committee approaches that subject. And like he said, like, I just I don't know how you approach it, really. Like, if T.O. Well, was problematic, I mean, yeah. Antonio Brown was on a different level, like Sal Powell said. Exactly. Um, it. it, it I think where you where you go here is just the the wanted disrespect for the game, right? You know, it's the disrespect for the game. Um, you know, there is there's a code in the NFL. You know, it, it, you know, one thing is about money, but the other thing is about being a good teammate and respecting the game. Uh, name another player that took his jersey off, threw his pads on the ground, walked off, and all the histrionics that went along with that stuff. And is and was premeditated, by the way, as we know now. And everything that's occurred in the last two years in the that's, aftermath that's, of that. That's disrespecting the game. You know, you can have antics, you can stand on the on the uh, on the star, you know, like To did. You know, but it, it, to some degree, that's disrespecting the game a little bit. But what Antonio Brown did was way above it. And, and don't forget, you know, in, in the place of the game, he he did that to, to Tom Brady. You know the goat of the game, a guy that 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 did everything for him and gave him every opportunity and vouched for him and did all of that for him and to spit in his face, his teammates' face, and the game. Frankly, the game of football, the NFL. I think for an NFL voter, you have you have grounds to which you know attacking a general manager physically on a football field as he did in Vegas. Um, you know these these are things that 
are disrespecting the game. And I think that 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 will disqualify you from having a gold jacket. And I don't think it's a hard deal. I don't think it's a hard deal. I understand why Sal Pal punted. He's got a natural voice. He, you know, he's much more measured than I am. You know, I'm just a local Yahoo loose cannon. And and I and that but I think that's where eventually they will go. And that gives them grounds to say it's just you've disqualified yourself by the way you comported yourself. Um, you know, showing a coach, a head coach in a private moment when you've been told not to on Facebook Live in a in a post game celebration. And, and who makes Disres- and again, like Southall said, who's going to be the one to even make that case? Because it, ha- it would have to be somebody from <laughs> it, won't be it would have to be somebody from Pittsburgh. You'd imagine, but it right. seems like he burned every bridge in Pittsburgh by the way it ended. Yeah, absolutely, he did. And yeah, there's nobody that's going to stand by him and stand up in that room for him. Nobody. Yeah. And it won't. And as as he says, it won't get to that because of the way he disrespected the game. And I think that's more than within their their realm to... to and I don't to even think Antonio point. Brown really cares, to be honest. It doesn't strike me as somebody who's going to be like, you know, going off about, man, why didn't you guys vote me in the Hall of Fame? I don't think he really cares. And by the time we get there, there'll be so much more dirt on his resume. Probably. Um, <laughs> it, it won't even be, it won't even be a, a, a choice, to be honest with you. So I think that's why he – I think it was his polite way of saying he ain't even going to make it in the room. Probably so. Probably so. Lot, we got a lot of time left for him to do even more stupid things than he's already done. Well, we could put so, – instead, we could put Mr. Evans in the Hall of Fame who uh, damn right. did it the right damn way, right. never cheated the game or disrespected it. Damn right. Damn right. And, and I, you know, and I, I threw that out there just because people are already talking about that here in Tampa Bay. And there's no – he's on the path. You know, you, first of all, you've got to get on the path. It, you know, it's a very select few that are even get on the path. Yeah. Because, and, and wide receivers are weird, weird thing because you, the numbers just don't tell the story. And wide receivers can pad numbers. Yeah, because like, I, I, just, I just mentioned the number about guys in the top 12 of receiving yards who are not in the Hall of Fame. But, like, Steve Smith is, like, seventh or eighth on that list. Did you ever think Steve Smith was elite at the position? For his career, a really great player, yes. But he just played a long time, and that's why he, he got torched, he, torched he did torch the Bucks. And then, like even like in a Reggie <laughs> Wayne, even in a Reggie Wayne, and I think this is where Tory Holt kind of suffers too. They were the second; they were seen as the second best receiver on their teams. That's right. Which that's is right. it's unfair a, a little bit, but that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, all right, let's take a break. Uh, Drew Weatherford's going to join us at 11.30. So that's a big deal. That's a big get here. We're The man who's on the board of trustees for Florida State University, uh, the pride of Pasco County, will join us, former Florida State quarterback. Um, he had the money quote from the meeting last night. It's not a matter of if, it's, it's how and when the FSU leaves the ACC. He will join us at 11.30. Quick break. Uh, we're brought to you by the great folks at the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com. If you uh, have gotten involved in a personal accident uh, and you need that personal attention, they are the folks to give it to you. If your car has been totaled in an accident and you don't think you got the settlement you deserve, the Jeeves Law Group specializes in that litigation. So contact them through the website, jeeveslawgroup.com. That's jeeveslawgroup.com. Back in three, Drew Weatherford coming up at 1130. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches 
in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank, but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa. 
And for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events. The biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events. The Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show with JP on FanStream Sports. We are back. Thanks to our great sponsors, the folks at Italiano Insurance. If you have any questions about your home insurance right now, because 40% of uh, Floridians are underinsured, and that has been a big problem for the folks down in Fort Myers, uh, after the big hurricane down there because many of them need replacement homes and they were underinsured and they got 40% less than they would have gotten. That is a catastrophe for you financially. And that's just something you got to check on. You got to find out what your home value is, replacement cost, all those things. Italiano Insurance can do that for you. And it's probably not going to be a huge increase in your premium. You just got to get it done. Find out what the cost is. Give them a call, 813-877-7799. A human being will answer the phone. Uh, they give great customer service. They're a local company, does great things in the community. Charity helped me out a couple of weeks ago and got me my auto insurance, saved me 1000 bucks on my annual premium. That's real money, folks. So they do the work. You save the money and make sure you're properly insured. 813-877-7799. All right. Uh, it appears, uh, I'm not sure, but Baker Mayfield, has spoken to the media today. Yes, he just wrapped up speaking about a couple minutes ago, so we can go over to that here. The Bucks have it up for us. So let's hear what Baker had to say after practice today, which of note, I didn't see Very any tweets about throwing picks. So not saying he didn't or he did not, but I didn't see any tweets saying that he did. But here was Baker. Okay. Appreciate it. Yeah, really exciting. Something that's been in the works. Uh, Baker Newman Mayfield Foundation, so we're, we're excited about that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, opening up with that, appreciate you mentioning it. Uh, first event will be August 27th, uh, day after our last preseason game. Uh, it'll be a Top Golf. Uh, just obviously extremely thankful for Top Golf being able to help us do a kind of a big event to the, for the first launch. But uh, just, I mean, our, our foundation just trying to even the odds, you know, give everybody a chance uh, to have success, whether it be um, healthy foods, you know, getting kids in after school activities and sports, healthy lifestyle choices, just uh, just trying to raise raise everybody's equality so they have a, a better chance of having success um, and just staying resilient through adversity and, and just trying to, you know, base it off of uh, kind of my story as well. So just uh, making sure that everybody has the same opportunities. You to do this. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's important. Uh, I mean, God has blessed me so much with this this platform, um, and this is something we've been we've been trying to get going, but finally found the right 
uh, team and, and, and partnership to be able to do it and get it up and running. So really, really excited about it. But just to be able to give back, and I've always been passionate about uh, whether it's youth or working with Special Olympics, and kind of been all over the all over the place. So now to to finally have something that we can hone in on and, and truly make an impact, and hopefully get our, ourselves uh, settled in this community and and really be able to do that. Like a week since we talked to you, a couple padded practices. Mm -hmm. now, how do you feel like camp is coming along for you? Um, yeah, I think today was better than the, the previous two. Um, yeah, I, I think when you get the pads on for for quarterbacks, it, it's still uh, yeah, bodies are flying around, but you still have to just go through your reads, take care of the ball, um, and you're taking chances and, and trying stuff out during camp. Um, but it still comes back to taking care of the ball. So today was a better day for the offense overall and better for me as well. So, uh, yeah, we're stringing it together. We're, the installs are slowing down. It's becoming smaller and smaller based on, you know, what we're really teaching. Uh, have a lot in. So uh, these call-it periods where we're really just playing football, move-the-ball move periods are really coming together. You're trying to see guys... Um, like we talked about last week, how they react in certain situations with actual football being played. Uh, yeah, we just need to cut down on the penalties and, and, and hone in on our uh, assignments. Still a, a learning process because the pass just came on, and as you kind of just said, like the way players react to certain things. Yeah. Are you still learning just the players more or the offense? Yeah. <laughs> You definitely have to hit the reset button with receivers and tight ends, guys that are running routes and pads. It's uh, it's a lot different when you put the pads on and guys are, are getting contacted or how they're moving around with the extra weight on. So uh, you, you do have to get used to it a little bit, but but now we're just trying to get on the same page. You know, the little details of how we want a, a certain route run against different coverages and, and fighting through contact, making sure that they still get their depth even though they're getting collisioned. And so uh, and that's why it's great to have the referees out here to where we can actually talk through things, what's legal, what's not legal, and, and have it uh, more game it's great for everybody, to be honest with you. Um, it's when, when the quarterback room is having success, it shows what this offense can be capable of. You know, we're distributors within this system, uh, just getting the ball out. It's not like we're trying to hone in on one guy. Yeah, there'll be specific plays that we want to get a guy open, but for right now, it's take what the defense is giving you. And so the past few days, yeah, Kyle and, and, and John have had great great practices of, of just doing that, going through the system, getting the ball out, uh, and making the reads. So that, that's, I think people are starting to see what, what we're going to be capable of. And obviously, as you know, we get used to the pads more and more, the run game will be going as well. So uh, it's just slowly coming together. Having an open competition, obviously in Cleveland, you're a number one overall pick into college and that you knew who you were. Uh, is that brought out like a, a competitive side of you you're not used to having in August? I, guess. Uh, I had to win the job at Texas Tech as a walk-on. When I got to Oklahoma, I sat out of here and still had to compete for the job. And then in Cleveland, I got drafted. Terod Taylor was still a starting quarterback, so I've had to compete my whole life. This is nothing new to me. What does that do for you when you're in those competitive situations? We, I mean, we see your demeanor, the bravado, and even what you said the other day, you kind of channeled Dan Rand. I don't need someone to tell me what I'm yeah. going to do. What, what, what does competition do for you? It's, it's, to me, it's the best. I, I think when um, it's just a heightened awareness. You're not, you're not trying to do too much. You're just heightened awareness on your own details. Uh, you know, calming the chaos. Just, just making sure that I'm doing the little things right. Um, you know, like I said last week, I know I'm here for a reason, but just do my job. Don't try and do too much. We have a great team around me, and, and 
you know, just being able to distribute the ball. But the competition to me is just uh, how well can I do the little things? You know, you look at some of the greats in every single sport. They never get bored with the little details. And so just continuing to hone in on that. Any little details in particular that you really want to hone in on? Yeah, I think, uh, like I mentioned, the, the two practices previous to this one were not, not my best by any means. And so, I, you know, we look at it. Footwork was a little off, uh, just being out of rhythm. And, and so just getting back to that. And I think uh, it was a lot better for me today. Obviously, we'll go back in and watch the tape. But uh, just being able to, to go back in and see, all right, my footwork was signing up at the reads, and that's why I was able to get the ball out and take care of it. Is protecting football in camp versus trying things like being in the lab and airing it out a little bit more. Um, but we have like two-minute situational stuff in like third-down period. Uh, to me, that's when you really want to take care of the ball. It's when you want to treat it more game-like. You know, third-down period, you always want to end up with the ball in your own hands. Obviously, you want to convert, but a punt's better than them getting it with uh, a short field. So treating it like that, but then uh, uncertain looks. You know, just one-on-one balls, 50-50 balls. Just just trying out certain guys, seeing how they're reacting to competitive catch, contested catches, things like that. So uh, th there's give and take, but then situational football, it's, it's time to, to treat it like a real game. To the play of some of the younger wide receivers that are lobbying to make this team. I mean, Devin Tompkins made an unreal yeah. catch the other night. Rocking Jarrett, it feels like everywhere you look, he's making yeah. the play. Uh, yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, those two guys, I mean, Devin can jump out the gym. I mean, not not the biggest guy by any means, but he he can really, really jump. So uh, he made a play like that in mandatory minicamp with, with me, just kind of a 50-50 ball where he goes up, and his, his body control is unbelievable. And, and Rakeem Jarrett, obviously a young guy that I think we've got a huge steal out of him, uh, extremely talented. The way he uh, is able to run his routes and stay grounded through the catch, he's not jumping up for balls that are hitting him in the face. He's catching it and, and finishing through. So that's those little natural tendencies that you really can't teach um, that, that, that are pretty special about those two guys. And, yeah, the younger guys, it's just it's a lot being thrown at them when you put the pads on they have the whole installs in. So uh, I think for the most part they're really handling well. And, and I think our younger tight ends are doing a really, really good job too. Yeah, um, I mean, my job is pretty easy compared to everybody else's. I don't have to run nearly as much, um, but I, I still, uh, I, I learned from Chris Godwin. He comes out with a duffel bag with an extra pair of cleats, shorts, socks, everything. So um, I, I bring out the halftime switch now at practice. I'm getting used to it. But today was, today was pretty nice it, it, with the breeze going. So as long as you have the wind, you, you're good. Of course, the, you know, the last few years, the centers have had quite the yeah. extensive routine with the baby powder and things yeah. like that. How hurt you with that, with that situation? Uh, is, that, is that good for you, what they're doing right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think they're pretty much scarred from that activity the last few years, that they're going to continue that. Um, but it just helps us. I mean, even still, they'll have the towel in their pants, the baby powder, everything, and there's, there's still droplets of sweat that are uh, coming down on it. But it's, you know, it's one of those things. you, you got to play to your advantage, and if you're used to it, then you shouldn't have an issue with it. Contested catches. I mean, Mike Evans is a guy that's made a living off of doing yeah. that, playing above the rim. Um, what's that connection been like for you now that you guys have had more, more reps yeah. and more practices together? His, just his body language at the top of his routes, how friendly it is. Um, it's unlike any other I've really played with ever. So uh, I'm getting used to how friendly it is and just being able to trust it and let it go earlier and earlier. Uh, it, it's it just speaks to how great he's been consistently over each year uh, with whoever's throwing the ball to him because he's, he's going to do his job. He's going to do it at, at a very, very high level, and uh, he's going to make plays for you. Uh, a lot of good stuff there from Baker Mayfield. Uh, by the way, he had a big connection with Mike Evans today, about a 30-yarder 
um, and uh, much better practice today from Baker, as you heard. You know, it's interesting. You know, I hear him talk about Devin Tompkins. I, I, I hear him talk about, um, you know, Rashad White. And it, it, it occurs to me, you know, a lot of people don't think Keyshawn Vaughn is, is much of a player. I think when he's gotten the opportunity, he's done it. And maybe it's just the guy calling the plays or making the evaluations on who should play and who shouldn't play, which was Byron Leftwich, was the clown. Um, to me, Devin Tompkins is a player, and he should. And, 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 a, and a team that lacked a lot of speed last year, that guy should have been a much bigger part of what they were doing. Certainly better than uh, uh, Jalen Darden, for God's sakes. Uh, I mean, everybody could see that, you know. And I think Rashad White, you know, was was easily the best running back last year, and should have supplanted uh, Fournette far before he did. And we we've talked about Luke Gedicki, how long we went with that. Um, so I think, it, to me, it's not going to be a surprise when Keyshawn Vaughn steps up, Rashad White, Devin Tompkins, these guys that have kind of been hidden on the depth chart um, start making plays for this team. It almost appears to me, the way everybody talks about Devin, that he, he might be the, the fourth guy in, in the pecking order he here. And I think dare he I say, pushing the, the third guy who uh, he was out there today, and I heard he was making some plays as well. So we'll see. Need some health there from Gage, but... You know, they even showed the clip. Did you see the clip the Bucks put out from the night practice? It was that big oh, play that, that everybody was oh talking about. And you know, oh let's let's get it out of the way. It's it's an awful. This is an awful quarterback decision. <laughs> for being yeah. completely you know, honest, throwing, there. The, throwing the three guys. Yeah, it, it, it kind of it, it reminded me of somebody else. If I think you know exactly what I mean by that one. Uh, but yeah, but but Devin Hopkins making his uh, the effort on that play like that's a guy you could tell who really wants to stand out and, and make plays and all that and he got the crowd going got the team going so Devin Tompkins the way they talk about him it, it would not surprise me at all that he is the fourth guy in the pecking order maybe pushing the third yeah he's he's got uh, incredible speed and just plays he's just so small that you you know you overlook him and you don't think he can do it but every time he steps on the field he does it so. That should be the judge if you're a coach, not you know what his, what his stature is. All right, uh, quick break. When we come back, Drew Weatherford, Board of Trustees, Florida State University, was at the meeting last night uh, with the money quote. It's not a matter of if, it's when and how the FSU will lead the ACC. We will talk to him and find out what this is all about. Where are they headed? Is it SEC? Is it Big Ten? Uh, so stay with us three minutes away. We're brought to you by the great folks at Extravaganza Productions. If you have a meeting or a charity event, or a birthday party, or anything coming up, they will give you a free creative session. Find out what they can do for you. Just go there to look at all the props they have in their warehouse. It's amazing, and a tremendous group over there. They do big events, small events, super professional. They'll make your event absolutely tremendous. That's Extravaganza Productions. Call uh, Paul Thomason and Dolly, my friends over there. Go to the website, extravaganzaproductions.com. Back in three with Drew Weatherford. Stay with us. can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life, 
It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you by the great folks at the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com, Bay Area Modern Medical Center, the Golden Diamond Source, and American Mortgage Services. All right, without further ado, let's bring in our good friend, Drew Weatherford, former FSU quarterback, now on the Board of Trustees of Florida State University. Uh, there's that handsome face, best-looking man in Tampa Bay, one of yeah. the richest, too, man. You just, you just have the greatest life Not a ever. chance. Yeah. I'm Why just trying you to keep up with you. How do I get that suntan? What are you, a tanning bed? What's going on? <laughs> Dig ditches for a second job like I do. No, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Uh, it's golf, baby. You know, I go out there and shoot my 95, spend five hours out there. It, you get a little bit of get a little bit of tan going. How you doing, partner? I'm doing great. Doing great. Staying busy, trying to raise four kids. And um, Oh, my God. Yeah, man, it's it's wild. That's yeah. My dad used to always say work really starts when you get home, and I now – fully understand what what he meant by that how many how many brothers and sisters do you have so that's i'm actually, i'm one of nine that's I'm what one I of nine so yeah there's seven <laughs> seven boys two girls uh in my family and uh as you know we all uh play a lot of sports growing yes, up you all did. my brothers played d1 college football and my sister uh played d1 uh, college soccer and so um, i credit it all of it to just beating the hell out of each other as kids <laughs> So on top of all those kids, my mom was crazy enough to homeschool all of us. So it was uh, wow. a wild, wild yeah. childhood. 
Iron sharpens iron. Competition is good, even in the home. All right, no doubt. Well, you had the you had the money quote of the of the night last night coming out of the trustees meeting. It's not a matter of if, but when and how FSU leaves the ACC. Yeah. What did you uh, learn in that meeting that made you say that? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessarily what I learned in the meeting. Um, as you probably heard, we've been looking into this issue for yeah. for quite some time. Um, you know, for years now, frankly, and um, it's interesting. It's uh, it's not um, the ACC. I actually feel uh, for for Commissioner Phillips. I mean, he's in a really tough situation. They're they're trying to do everything that they can to solve the problem, but the problem has gotten so large, right? I mean, we signed a twenty-year contract crazy in, in two thousand and sixteen. Um, and obviously, uh, TV revenues and new deals have exploded. So we just find ourselves in a financial position um, where it's going to be really, really challenging to compete. I mean, it was challenging pre-NIL with the disparity in revenues. But now that you can literally acquire talent, um, it, it's very unlikely. And I'm just being honest. It's very unlikely that Florida State will be able to compete in the college football playoff level and compete for championships um, unless something changes in the ACC and somehow they generate more revenue and we're able to uh, participate in that or we find a new home. Well, and that's kind of the rub here, right? Uh, Commissioner Phillips did say that they're looking into different ways, but a 30, $40 million gap in widening is hard to make up with, you know, Instagram cash. Right. I mean, there's it's all about TV money and these grant rights are, are locked up or are they? You know, I've been told by some folks here in Tampa Bay that have been looking at this grant and rights that there may be some exit strategies, one of which revolves around a lot of information that was given to the member schools when this was signed. That was ridiculously false or, yeah. or totally over overestimated. Is, is do you think have you been told that there are some some legal remedies to getting out of this grant of rights? Yeah, I'm. I'll just say I'm. I'm not. Um, I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not a lawyer, right? Right. And um, I'm smart enough. Not too smart, but I'm smart enough not to talk about <laughs> legal things that I don't fully understand and appreciate. Gotcha. Um, all, all I know is that um, we've been looking into the issue. Um, and have spent a lot of time understanding, you know, those documents and what that would require. Right. Understood. Uh, can you tell us anything about what the destination might be? I know fans are saying that, you know, the SEC would be a great fit. I kind of feel like the Big Ten would be a better fit for a national brand because I think that's where the Big Ten is heading, adding these West Coast teams. And if they added Clemson and Florida State, they would have the Southeast uh, represented as well. And obviously they own a lot of the Northeast and the in the Midwest, um, I'm open to that. It, it, can you tell us anything about what might be on the table? I think we have. I think um, there are, although nothing is uh, official by any means. I think that there are a lot of options out there, um, and not even necessarily. I won't get into the third option. Not even the two obvious options, right? I mean, there's obviously right. the Big Ten and the SEC, but I think there are some other options that could potentially put us in a better situation financially than we currently are the the challenge we're facing here guys um when you really think about it and the way it all plays out is you know the school 
down the road from Tallahassee, which will remain unnamed, <laughs> they literally will be at, I'm serious, they will be at almost a half a billion dollar advantage. If we yeah. stay in the ACC for 13 years, um, their contract, by the way, uh, comes up before our contract. They're just starting their contract. Their contract comes up in 2034. So they'll be signing a new contract that's even greater revenue for those schools. And so I think it's a conservative estimate if they don't do something in the, in the interim, right? If right. there isn't more conference realignment and they renegotiate with their existing uh, TV partner, we could find ourselves very conservatively a half a billion dollars behind. And the question that we have to ask ourselves as, as uh, Seminole fans, and I frankly, I think everyone in the ACC should be asking this yeah. question, right? Virginia, North Carolina, Clemson, um, everybody should be, do you really want to compete or not, right? We can all hang out in the ACC and compete against each other and, um, you know, celebrate winning an ACC championship. But I'm of the opinion, um, and actually I think history will support this. You know how many win college uh, playoff wins we have? Six. All, all of them by Clemson. Yeah. We only have 11 appearances in the ACC, and that's Clemson and Florida State. Right? So this isn't an existential crisis like in the future one day. We're already living it, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when Clemson won their national championship, like there's a direct correlation. I could show you the data. I've studied this a lot between how much you win and how much you spend in athletics. Of course. Right? Yeah. Alabama yeah. is the number one spender in athletics. Guess where Clemson has been for a long time? Whether they can sustain it, number four. Right? Yeah. They have spent a ton of money, um, and they're not even able to keep up anymore, right, because they're running out of horsepower because – the Big Ten and ACC and SEC schools, every year there is forty, close to forty million dollars a year. They don't have to raise. Where our guys are having, and our boosters do an incredible job. Yeah, yeah. Like one of the best booster organizations, and so does Clemson's. But you just can't show up with forty additional million dollars every year because those boosters are raising money too in the Big Ten. That's and the right. Year. That's right. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a big big problem that I think we're facing. And it doesn't just affect football. It doesn't just affect basketball. All the non-revenue sports will be affected. There will be a day where the girls' college soccer player at the University of Florida is making fifty grand, and guess how much our girls are going to make? Nothing. Yeah. Right, because that's how money cascades down. Right. Yep. We'll, yeah. Their NIL bucket will be so much bigger than ours that it'll virtually be impossible for us to compete. How fast do you think uh, this is going to happen? Do you have any timetable? Well, everyone knows about this date, um, this August 15th date, uh, where we have to let them know um, if we're leaving or not. But that's not the only exit strategy. Um, it is if you're leaving solo. Yeah. And I'll just leave it at that, right? Um, you have to let them know. And you'd play out this year, uh, and then the following year you'd basically be a free agent. So um, all options are on the table, honestly, um, you know, for us. And ultimately, we're just trying to do, as a board member, we have a, we have a fiscal responsibility to take of care course. of the educational aspects of Florida State University and the athletic ones, right? So this yeah. is 
part of our responsibility to look out for what's in the best interest of, of Florida State athletics and staying in the ACC does not make a very compelling case right. to be there long term. Well, I, for one, appreciate what you are doing and how aggressive you guys are being at it because I do believe it's an existential crisis that um, we've done a great job actually hanging on as long as we have. And before I let you go, I have to tap into that football player that you were le- leading FSU to the Orange Bowl uh, your, your freshman year uh, playing against Penn State. I remember it well. Tri- triple overtime, if I'm not, not, not mistaken. Um, I'm still trying to catch up on sleep from that game. I think it went to like <laughs> 1 in the morning. Yeah, those breaks for those bowl games are unbelievable. Um, but, I mean, just the thought on my Mike Norvell has put this uh, train back on the track so quickly. I thought it would take two or three more years. But to have uh, FSU in contention for the ACC and even people talking about a national championship, and I couldn't be more proud of the, the man Jordan Travis has become and the leader that he's become. Um, your thoughts on what uh, Mike Norvell has done in this team? Well, first of all, in, in any organization, that leadership starts at the top. Yep. So I think we have a terrific president, um, and President McCullough. We have a terrific AD and Michael Alford. And uh, Coach Norvell is an incredible human being. Um, he's in it for the right reasons. We've had coaches in the past um, that I don't think were uh, in it for the right reasons. Um, and Mike is. Mike loves yeah. the kids like Coach Bowden did. Mm-hmm. Um, he really cares about them on and off the field. And when times get tough, like you want to play for a coach like that. You want to play for a guy that you know really cares about your well-being, uh, not just when you're between the lines. And so I think he's just built um, – he's earned their trust, the players. He's earned uh, the fans' trust. Um, and they believe. They believe in him and they believe in each other. Uh, and for the first time, I think this should get everyone excited, for the first time in a long time, we have a world-class offensive line. Yes. Right. I mean, Florida State always has incredible athletes, great running backs, great receivers, you know, very talented quarterbacks, myself excluded um, in that. No, um, no. But uh, seriously, they, they are really good up front. And if you ever look at a Florida State team and you go back, look at how many of those guys ended up in the NFL that played on national championship teams. Yep. On both sides of the ball, they're they're really, really good, uh, which gives me a lot of hope. Cannot wait. LSU coming up in about a month. Yeah, that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I'll, see you. I'll see you in Orlando. And, and I'll, sure. I'll leave you with this. I think this is an interesting dynamic. I, I do think um, FSU, considering all that's going on with the conference, right, it's time, um, and there's never been a more important year for us to show up on the field and ultimately to show up as fans. Like, we're not yeah. just playing for this season. Right, we're playing for our future relevance uh, in college football, um, and we want to be. I think we are uh, desired by the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, but we have to keep winning in order yeah. to do so. And that's what I fear the most: is you wake up in 13 years and you've been to the college football playoff once or twice. Do they even want you at that time? No, like that's what we really have to think about. And I think I challenge all the other ACC schools to really think about that. If you want to compete, right, um, 13 years from now, with that kind of disadvantage, where will your program be and how attractive will you be? It's a great point. And those other universities ought to be thinking about that themselves as well. Hey, Drew, always great to catch up with you, my man. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, let's stay in touch. And I'll probably see you in Orlando for the game. 
Awesome, man. Look forward to it. Thanks, JP. Thanks, Nick. Go Knowles. Congrats. Go Knowles. Yep. All right. Uh, Drew Weatherford right there, uh, Board of Trustees member. How about that? That is uh, strong words from a strong man right there. I mean, they're, they're leaving. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's fairly obvious why. I mean, he he yeah. puts the revenue breakdown right there: four hundred to five hundred million extra in funds for the other top schools. That. And you know what? Part of it makes me sad a little bit that that is what college athletics has come to. Part yeah. of it really makes me sad, and it makes me wonder. You know, could I could I? And I'll use the the Florida State Bobby Bowden example because it's the easy one to use. Part of me wonders, could that have ever even happened if, it, if we were 40 years in advance? Could Bobby Bowden take a rinky-dink school and program at the time and turn it into a power like it truly became in the modern era that we're seeing right now? I just It seems no. almost impossible because no, it's because all about the playing, the, field, the playing field is no longer level. Right. It, it, point my point Drew's is, talking about. Yeah, yeah, my point there is like it feels like it's so much more less about all right, who's the head coach and and what's his what's the family dynamic of the team and all this stuff. It's like it's like I don't know if players really care about those things anymore or like the system is designed for nobody to care about those things in, anymore. Well, you know, first of all, part of it is evolution, right? And you know, college sports has gone from. You know, um, hey, uh, let's get our football team together and meet yours in Ocala and, uh, you know, with our leather helmets and we'll play a game and maybe a few people will show up. Hey, maybe we can, you know, sell some popcorn and Cokes and get some travel money. You know, and that's, you know, it's not that anymore. It is big time. It is huge business. Back when Bobby was doing it, though, you know, you could, if you were a good coach, you could, you could attract players. And it was somewhat, you know, the NCAA had rules. All, you know, you know, certainly still Alabama had a better stadium. Mm-hmm. They had a better training room, but it was, you know, it was, it was, wasn't that much big. Now you've got, you know, this arms race has been going on for a long time, as Drew talked about. Clemson has been the number four spender. You go look at the facility that they built for recruiting. Like you go to Clemson and you look at their all football facilities. I mean, it's a freaking Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got bowling alleys. They're all better you know, than, than NFL la- facilities. Laser tag. I mean, they got everything for these kids. Huge, you know, workout spaces, obviously, but you know, beautiful rooms that they live in now. I mean, it's it's. We it's got lazy rivers. We got lazy rivers. For God's sake, Not yet, right? And now everybody's everybody's trying to get a. You know, that's what it was. You know what it is now? It's cold hard cash. It, now you're paying players through NIL, and this and what he talks about is this 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 gap of thirty forty million dollars that goes to your your teams. You know, I'm not. That's not talking about just for facilities. It's not okay. Now we can build an indoor facility. No, this money is going to go into the bucket of, Nash, of NIL money yep. because now universities can work hand in hand with their NIL collective, and they can give the money for straight there from their booster club, from their university, whatever, mm-hmm. and that can go in their bucket. So, like I've said before, this is like you know the Gators would have a, a hundred and you know ninety million dollar payroll, and FSU would have a hundred and fifty million dollar payroll. That's not fair. And it, you know, year after year after year after year, that really, 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 will, it's going to get bigger. So he he's yeah, exactly and this, right. And they this have to make the move. And this isn't baseball, where the the sixty million dollar payroll can some can beat the the three hundred million dollar payroll. This is not like right. that. It is right, all about exactly. getting the best talent. I think history will show us. You get yes. the you get the five star, four star recruits. You have the top recruiting classes. That's just who dominates college football. That's so just the way the that top it works. Five classes from the last ten years. All right, and every one of those teams is winning national championships. Yeah, without fail. And it's there the might be and there might year. be outliers. Like TCU was an outlier. Right. Right. right? But 
the chances of them replicating that again or anybody, any other team replicating that, it ain't, it's just very, very slim in college yep. football. It just is. So uh, it, it was so great to have him on and, and get a lot of that information out there. Um, so well, take another so well spoken, by the way. Might I add? I see uh, why he's super, on. I see why he's on the board of trustees. Super smart guy, very successful in the business, and you know we got to take a quick break. And I want to mention something about that when I come back because it dovetails with a couple other stories I wanted to mention. Um, yeah, we'll be back right back. We got uh, a couple more things we got to get to before we get out of here. Quick break. Stay with us. Law Group, have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms, and let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by, never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan Stream Sports. 
All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you by the great folks at the Golden Diamond Source. Hey, if you've got some uh, silver coins around or silver flatware or silver and gold bullion, uh, gold uh, jewelry of any kind, get it on down to the Golden Diamond Source. They will give you the highest price. They are currently buying all types of metals. So check them out. Give them a call. Tell them what you got and bring it down. They will give you the best price. If you ever have any old jewelry around, it's always a great idea to gather it up and take it over to the Golden Diamond Source, and they will give you some cold, hard cash for that stuff that's just been sitting around in your jewelry box that you don't wear anymore. Uh, obviously, if you're looking to get engaged, great place to do that. The best selection, the best service, the best customer service, and great folks all around in the community. So you know it's the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Olmerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. Uh, yeah, just, you know, knowing Drew as long as I have, going back to his days at Florida State uh, when he played uh, there, what an unbelievable family. And it's just such a great example of something I think that has been lost in our culture today. Great family unit and a parents that just demand excellence from their kids, you know. And, and sometimes it's tough for kids, especially these days. A lot of them just want to sit around and hang out and be on their iPads and do whatever instead of getting out there and doing something and making, be good at something, right? To have a passion, go out there. And, and excellence is something that we hardly even celebrate anymore, right? Everything's got to be a participation trophy. We don't want anybody to feel bad if they're not as good as somebody else. I get all that, but why not celebrate achievement? And that family, man, you had to keep up. You had to be excellent at everything you did or you were left behind. And, uh, I just wanted to mention that great family, uh, great role models, great people, and, and Drew is such a, a tremendous example yeah. of that. And, and I love what he's. And unfortunately, as you brought up that that Orange Bowl game is my first memory of watching FSU football as a kid. Unfortunately, it really is. It really is. What was that? Two thousand four was that? Two thousand four. It was two thousand five, and two thousand five. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I, I at the time I was playing football. If you can believe it flag football a much smaller nick out of his element clearly uh but we got home and I, I came back and the game was in like the third quarter watched the whole thing my mom let me stay up because it obviously as you said it went into overtime and that was a heartbreaker as a young nick was heartbroken they lost a triple overtime to uh to penn, to penn state, state. and joe paterno mm. hey um how about Messi last night how about that first goal oh my god traps it on his chest Never hits the ground, just left left boots it past the keeper. That was just a phenomenal piece of skill. Unbelievable. You know, well, you know what's so crazy about this whole thing? And this is, again, why he is in the GOAT tier. This team is bottom of the MLS, okay? They haven't even played an actual MLS-like official game. This is all in the League's Cup so far. But they're the right. worst team in the MLS. And all of a sudden, this dude, Robert Taylor, I keep hearing his name, and he's like involved in every messy goal. Never heard of this dude. And all of a sudden, he looks like he should be playing in Europe along with Messi and Joseph Martinez. It's like everybody all of a sudden has, like, magical powers because Messi came over there, and now they're starting to just, like, put teams away easily. He's got five goals in three games. This dude's unreal. And it's like a party yeah. down there over at Lockhart Stadium. It's a party atmosphere, yeah, and every I mean, single day there's a new celebrity. Yesterday it was Derek Jeter. It's like it's every single day. It's the biggest party in Miami right now. Yeah, it was a credible atmosphere last night after the, the inevitable rain delay at uh, at Lockhart Stadium or whatever the hell they call it now. Lockhart um, Stadium. Now, what else did we uh, – were we going to get to? We said happy birthday to Tom Brady. Oh, the, uh, the, 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 the Domingo Herman. Uh, oh, yeah. Very – I didn't realize that the new term for showing up drunk is armpit discomfort. 
Is that is that what we call it? How does that work? I I I don't even know how to even approach this story. I I really don't. <laughs> I I mean, if you saw it yesterday. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like because we obviously you said Boone's explanation from after the game. You talked about that yesterday or whatever it was. But then yesterday he was on a, a podcast called the John Boy Podcast, which was kind of cool to see a, a, a manager kind of get outside his comfort zone and go on just somebody's yeah. random podcast. And they were two younger guys, and but they were pretty, you know, straight with their questions. It's not the typical questions you get from like normal media, right? And you mm-hmm. know they basically said like your timeline about Domingo Herman does not add up one bit. And you could see Boone got a little defensive in the in the interview about the timeline and everything and what really occurred. And then I just think it's so funny. It's like a few hours after that interview, it comes out that he's going to alcohol rehab. So it right. just none of this adds up one bit. Yeah, so, so if you don't know the story, he was scheduled to start against the Rays a couple days ago. They, cut, they come out and say he's got armpit discomfort, whatever the hell that is. Never, I have no idea what that is. Um, Brito starts. And then Herman comes in, I guess, after the hangover was, was, was better. He got an IV or whatever. And then he comes in and pitches great. I mean, I don't mean to make light of it. Alcoholism is what it is, but it's, you know, it's a self-inflicted wound. Um, he needs to get better. We hope he gets better. That's all great. But this is, I mean, it kinda, it's kind of weird how the Yankees handled it.